Thursday, September 9th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York, and that means it is officially week one of the 2021 NFL season. Welcome to our first weekly preview podcast of the year. I'm your host, Matt Schauff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And if you're new to our weekly pods, then you'll, you're you going to quickly learn we don't have room to mess around here at the start of the show, Jared. We're going through every single game, so we're not wasting words. Let's jump right in with the Thursday night opener that we'll all be watching tonight, Dallas Cowboys at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs are eight-point favorites in this one. It's up one and a half from where it opened. 52-point over-under, tied for second highest on the slate. It should be a pretty good fantasy game for us to open up with. It'll definitely be a good fantasy game for the Bucs side. I'm um, a little nervous about the Cowboys side. I mean, the, the Cowboys imply totals at 22. It's actually the ninth lowest on the week, so, you know, that most of that over under is, you know, going to the buck side. Um, so I think the Cowboy, you know, like Dak is obviously, you know, his first game coming off ankle injury really did not practice much at all this offseason. You know, first rehabbing that ankle, then rehabbing the shoulder injury. Uh, the Cowboys are missing guard Zach Martin for this game. Uh, it's a, you know, tough Bucks defense, especially against the run. Um, so I, I won't be surprised if, if Dallas kind of disappoints on, uh, tonight. I'd be ready to, you know, get get some buy low offers potentially out there if they do kind of bomb on national television. Yeah, I could see that. I could see Dak disappointing a little bit, but he's still going to be in starter range for me, especially because of the wide receivers that he has going and because it's an especially bad matchup for Zeke Elliott. The Bucs were the toughest run D each of the past two years. In 2019, they allowed 132 fewer running back rushing yards than any other defense. Last year, it was 170 fewer RB rushing yards than any other defense. And they played without Vita Vea defensive tackle for a little while last year. So he's healthy. Now it's going to be a tough run defense. It's going to be a bad spot for Zeke Elliott. It doesn't mean he can't find the end zone and make it a good fantasy outing, but don't be surprised and don't be discouraged. If Zeke Elliott starts the season rough for you, I could see he's probably going to be starting in most cases, but I could see having like Chris Carson, James Robinson on my team, starting those guys ahead of Ezekiel Elliott this year. I wouldn't, not this year, this week, mm-hmm. I wouldn't reach too far, but even somebody like Gus Edwards, probably going to be a tough call. I would, I think I would ultimately put Zeke in ahead of Gus Edwards in my lineup. But, you know, again, just don't be surprised if it's a slow week. Yeah, Carson and Robinson, I'd start those guys over Zeke this week across formats. Gus Edwards, I couldn't start over Zeke in PPR. I think in non-PPR, it's a question. And sort of the same deal with Dak. Like, you know, he's not someone you have to bench. You're just looking at the rankings. I think, you know, someone like Jalen Hurts or Ryan Tannehill are, you know, possibilities that you might have paired up with Dak or, you know, they might even be available on some waiver wires in Shadow League. So th- those are two guys I would use over Dak. But, you know, D- Dak still does sneak into the top 12 in our week one rankings. Yeah, Bucks were tough everywhere on defense last year. They finished fifth overall in football outsiders DVOA, fifth against the pass, but just mid-pack in fantasy points allowed to QBs, 12th most fantasy points allowed overall, 19th most fantasy points per pass attempt allowed. So I would call it a neutral to negative matchup for Dak Prescott in the passing game. And again, he's got CeeDee Lamb, he's got Amari Cooper, he's got Michael Gallup. So they're going to be capable of even beating tough matchups this year. So I wouldn't go too far. I'm um, trying to replace Dak, and I, I would be playing C.D. Lamb or Amari Cooper. Yeah, I'd play both those wide receivers. It's the kind of game I probably would try not to use Michael Gallup, just if we expect Dallas's offense to struggle a bit. I think he is going to be the clear number three 
wide receiver this season. So he's going to, I think, be boom bust from week to week. And I, I just think this week is more likely to be one of those bust games. Yeah. I'm interested to see playing time for the Cowboys tight ends. Certainly yeah. not using either one this week as we wait to find out. On the Bucks side, starting Tom Brady, starting his wide receivers easily, all three of them really. I'm interested to see, to finally see how the targets get split among the wideouts. And we're going to have to watch Chris Godwin, right, on the injury front. He seems like he's good to go. He was um, a full go on Wednesday and, and taken off the final injury report. So he's safe to get into fantasy, fantasy slams. I think, yeah, I think you're starting all three Bucks wideouts. I like Rob Gronkowski this week as a, you know, streaming option. Again, you know, the Bucks have the huge implied total that makes Gronk a, a good touchdown bat. I think OJ Howard's probably going to be limited early on this season coming off his Achilles injury. And, you know, Dallas, as they were to most positions last year, was a favorable matchup for tight ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's outside the top 12, but there's definitely upside to using him. Bucks trail the Chiefs. Uh, by just half a point for this week's high implied total, as Jared alluded to earlier, two and a half points ahead of the number three team in that area. So you like the touchdown upside for Gronk, even if we don't know what the target count is going to be. In the backfield, I think Ronald Jones would be my first Bucks running back into my lineup. Not, I'm not excited about any of them because of the work split there, but last year before the playoffs, it was Ronald Jones 114 to 74 in carries for Leonard Fournette in their shared games. You know, that was a little bit spotty because of the injuries, especially to Leonard Fournette, but Ronald Jones was the lead ball carrier there. I think it's a good situation when you factor in them being eight point favorites to bet on those carries for Ronald Jones. You know, obviously there's risk here. We don't really know when he might fumble, when he might drop a pass and get himself pulled from the game. But I would lean Ronald Jones first if I'm making that decision. Well, I mean, what we saw in the preseason was Jones and Fournette splitting the early down work right down the middle. You know, they, they were actually rotating series. So it'd be, you know, if Fournette plays the first, Jones plays the second. And then Gio Bernard playing all of the third down snaps, which hurts, especially Fournette's upside, because, you know, the argument for him was he can get half the carries and also see a bunch of work in the passing game. That's not going to be the case, at least early on. You know, we'll see what Gio has left, whether he can stay healthy and all that. But. Um, I think Jones and Fournette are both guys you expect like 10 or so carries and you hope they find the end zone. I think both guys have a decent chance to find the end zone, but if they don't, they're probably going to hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm certainly not excited about any of them. I think that maybe one mark for Jones is that he he might be a better bet to score from distance than Fournette, but it's touchdown or bust really for both of those guys, I think. Yep. Anybody else from that game? That'll do it. Let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks at the Indianapolis Colts. The Seahawks are one-point favorites that opened at two and a half. So, I mean, Vegas must be feeling good that Carson Wentz is back for this game. Over under 50 points, it's down two from where it opened. As I mentioned, Carson Wentz is back. Full practice Wednesday, good to go for the game. I would sure try not to use him for this game coming off that foot surgery, but his return is at least good for uh, Michael Pittman Jr. against a defense that we're not even really sure who's going to be starting at cornerback. Yeah, the matchup's good, but like you said, you know, Wentz kind of in the same boat as Dak Prescott, just didn't practice much. I mean, he had the foot injury. Then he was on the COVID list for like a week. Um, no T.Y. Hilton in this game. We'll see about uh, the Colts' offensive line. I think Quentin Nelson is iffy. It sounds like Eric Fisher has a chance to play, which is surprising to me after the Achilles injury. Um, but I think, you know, Indy's offensive line won't be as strong early on this season as we think it'll be. So, yeah, Wentz is someone I would not want to use this week. Anybody else on that Colts offense? I mean, obviously, Jonathan Taylor is probably starting for most teams that that uh, drafted him. But beyond that, Michael Pittman, anything else you're looking to use? No, that's it. I, I do think Pittman's a fine like, wide receiver three. Like you mentioned, that this matchup is good and having Wentz in there helps. Um, it, it, it's going to be Paris Campbell and Zach Pascal behind Pittman in the pecking order at wide receiver until Hilton's back. But I, you know, I, I'd be a wait and see on both those guys. 
Yeah, I agree with that. On the Seattle side, pretty obvious plays, and I think that includes Chris Carson, who we mentioned before, sitting inside the top 12, starting him across formats pretty easily. We'll start to see Gerald Everett's role and exactly how he fits into the target picture here. The Colts, though, were the fourth toughest team last year in tight end coverage DVOA, so I would prefer to see Gerald Everett for a game rather than starting him, but, I mean, he's an option depending on how deep your league is. Yeah, Everett was also sharing snaps with Will Disley in the preseason, so it might not be like all his job there. So he's a wait-and-see guy. We didn't see this first-team offense in the preseason under you know new OC Shane Waldron. So I'm excited to see what the offense will look like. I mean, we heard a lot about going up-tempo, you know, maybe using some more shorter passes to get the ball and to lock it in Metcalf's hands. So uh, I'm excited to see what it looks like. Yeah, I think that Will Disley's target share last year and the fact that Seattle signed Greg Olson then, Gerald Everett now, makes me – you know, think that they're falling out of love with Will Disley a little bit, but I mean, Pete Carroll seems like a big Will Disley fan. So there's a chance he's just a pain this year. Definitely. Arizona Cardinals at the Tennessee Titans, the Titans by three in this game, it opened at four and a half. So tightened up there some, uh, no pun intended, over under 52 points tied for second, second highest of the week. I think Jared, this is a game that you want to be starting players from. Definitely. I think this will be, you know, one of the more popular DFS stacking games of the week. Um, so, I mean, all the obvious guys on Arizona, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins. I think Rondell Moore is in play this week. Again, if we think it's going to be a shootout, which I do, um, you know, we, we don't know for sure what his role is going to be. But again, based on what we saw in the preseason, I think he's going to be Arizona's starting slot receiver. That gives him some upside in this matchup. In the backfield, I, I we didn't see – there were, there was one game where we had Chase Edmonds and James Conner. Edmonds outsnapped Conner 7-3 with the first team in that game. So, you know, tiny sample size. I don't think we take a ton from it, but um, I, I do feel confident in saying Evans is going to be the primary pass catching back here. And again, shootout, you know, Arizona is a slight underdog. I, I think that kind of, it sets up as a nice game environment for Chase Edmonds. So I, I kind of like him this week as a RB2 in PPR leagues. I do think there's a real chance that if Rondell Moore works out, it is at the expense to some degree of Chase Edmonds. So that'll be something to watch. I, I'm, uh, obviously I'm less excited about using Rondale Moore this week. I'd rather see what happens first, but I certainly can't deny that there's upside to him. Uh, the biggest injury note probably is that AJ Brown was not practicing Wednesday. He's dealing with the knee issue was supposed to be ready for the opener back when we mm-hmm. first heard reports on him dealing with this knee issue. But um, you know, the fact that he's not practicing Wednesday is not good for that. So we'll have to watch. I think if AJ Brown is active, I'm not worrying about the knee thing. I'm going to go ahead and start him. Yeah, it sounds like Wednesday was more of a rest day, and they were doing with that, that with him last year. You know, He wouldn't practice on many Wednesdays. So I think he's going to be fine, but we should know more by Friday. Uh, I mean, the, the only – I guess there's two, like, potential downsides for Tennessee in this matchup. One is that, you know, Brown and Julio were out for a lot of August with injuries. And two, it's, you know, the, the first game without OC Arthur Smith. But other than that, I mean, the matchup is just awesome, especially for the passing game. The Cardinals secondary looks like a mess. You know, they're, they're going to be starting a fourth-round rookie out there against Julio Jones and AJ Brown. So I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a blow up spot for Ryan Tannehill, who again, I, I'd be using over Dak Prescott. I think Tannehill's like a top 10 option this week. And then, you know, Brown and Julio, as long as they're healthy, they're, they're easy starters. Yeah, I agree with that. I, for dynasty purposes, I don't, I don't think that we should ignore that AJ Brown has had multiple knee surgeries already. And he's already, you know, we'll see if this is temporary, but if he goes throughout this whole season, taking off, most Wednesdays. Yeah. I mean, we have to at least consider that as we think about his long-term value. Definitely. Derrick Henry's always in. Julio Jones is in, as you said. I agree. Ryan Tannehill's a nice option. Anthony Ferkser, I would definitely rather wait and see what happens. The current unofficial depth chart 
on the Titans website has Jeff Swain as the starter over him. So I think we head into the season, at least I'm heading into the season, expecting this to look like Johnu Smith and Anthony Ferkser did last year, where it was more annoying than it was helpful to fantasy teams. Yeah, and the depth chart kind of backs up what we saw in the preseason where, you know, Ferkser was mostly playing only when they went to three tight ends. You know, he wasn't even on the field when they were in one and two tight end sets. I don't know if that's going to continue into the regular season, but I, I, I do think it's possible his role doesn't change that much with Johnny Smith gone. So it's, to me, Ferkser is like a tight end, uh, sorry, a t- touchdown or bust fantasy option, which a lot of tight ends are. And again, this mm-hmm. is going to be a shootout, we think. So he's a decent touchdown bet, but um, yeah, definitely guy I would, I would not want to use if I could help it. Yeah, quite possibly going to leave you saying, Anthony, what the Ferks are. On the Arizona side, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, the only obvious plays, I think. You mentioned Chase Edmonds, James Conner. I think they're both in play. You know, we'll kind of see where the touches go between them. Uh, you said you you want to play Rondell Moore. I said I'd, I'd try to fight off the urge. But, you know, in the range where you're looking at him, obviously there's certainly upside. Yeah, definitely not a must start. You know, it depends on your other options. There, There's risk, obviously, in a rookie where we don't know exactly what his role is going to be. But he'd be a fun guy to throw in there, you know, watch and just, and just see what Arizona does with him. Maybe you can play him in a DFS lineup, and I'll play A.J. Green against you, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> sounds, sounds, sounds fun. <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans. Jags by two and a half in this one. Over under 45. And, I mean, for all the things that have been said – about the Houston Texans this offseason, what more can you possibly say than Jacksonville is opening as a two-and-a-half-point road favorite visiting them? That that should be – that's like the title of the Houston Texans 2021 recap video. I think we can already write it. I actually think this line should be bigger. Like, I, I bet Jacksonville, if it, you know, stays under three points. I think Houston's 21-point point implied total is too high. I wouldn't bet on them reaching that mark. So, I – I don't think we're going to need to spend much time on Houston in these podcasts this season. I think Brandon cooks is the only guy you can feel good about playing. I'm interested to see Nico Collins and his playing time. Um, I mean, even if he's like a full-time player, if cooks is still there as the number one, like I don't think Nico's someone you're going to be wanting to use in, in weekly lineups. You don't think Tyrod Taylor is supporting all the wideouts in Houston this year? <laughs> Doubt it. <laughs> Marvin Jones off the injury report after dealing with a, a shoulder issue in August this week, this week is kind of revealing to us which of these camp injuries were legit and that we need to worry about and which were, you know, teams being cautious and just resting guys to get them healthy for the regular season. It looks like Marvin Jones should be good to go. DJ Chark was also not on the injury report for Wednesday, had a broken finger in his right hand. So it seems like both of those guys should be ready. They should have that full set of the top three wideouts that really looks so attractive when they drafted Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Helps the quarterback. I would not go overboard playing any of the Jaguars wideouts. I think I would probably play Marvin Jones over DJ Chark because he ended up having more practice time than Chark. But I mean, it's going to be a tough wide receiver core to guess at right away. Cause we really have no evidence to go on in terms of the target split. Right. Chark is the one I'd be worried about a bit in week one, just because he, he basically missed all of August, didn't play at all in the preseason. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets off to a slower start. I think Chenault and Jones are both, wide receiver threes in this matchup. Um, I, I lean toward Chenault just because, you know, he, he's the one that didn't have an August injury. Um, you know, he was excellent in that third preseason game when, you know, we, re- we really kind of saw Trevor Lawrence get going. But I, I think, again, Chenault and Marvin Jones, I'd feel comfortable with if they were wide receiver threes for me. Yeah, it's, it's kind of also easier to, you know, 
write the story of LaVisca Chenault getting involved in different ways and, you know, yep. just getting the ball wherever, whereas Marvin Jones has tended to be more of a boom bust guy. But, you know, the thing that we don't know is the target split. So I, I certainly wouldn't put much separation between them. I agree. They're both usable. I think ultimately Trevor Lawrence is the high upside option here because whoever gets targets, they're going to be coming from him. He has the rushing upside. It's a terrible defense on the other side. So I don't think that I would start Trevor Lawrence over Dak Prescott this week, but I would not be at all surprised if Trevor Lawrence outscores Dak Prescott this week. I do think where I would go ahead and take a shot on Lawrence is over Justin Herbert who is on the road at Washington, you know, it's, it's going to be a personal call because none of us knows what to actually expect from Trevor Lawrence in his first game in the NFL, but they're very close in our rankings. There's big upside. I think there's more downside risk to Justin Herbert against Washington. Yeah. That wouldn't be crazy to start Lawrence over either of those guys, you know, you know including Dak Prescott. Again, it's, it's as good of a matchup as we'll see all season. The wide receivers are healthy. Um, yep. Lawrence in the Jags offense, looked a bit rough in those first two preseason games. But again, in that third one, even with Jones and DJ Chark out, you know, Lawrence was excellent. He went 11 of 12 for 139 yards and, and two touchdowns and like a, and like one half of action. So um, yeah, he, you know, he's right on that top 12 borderline this week. It's, it's a good spot for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's probably going to be popular in DFS, but I'll be curious to see what the ownership projections look like for that. As we get into that stuff, James Robinson also, before we leave the Jags, we mentioned him already, but Easy start this week, high ceiling for this matchup. Yeah, you know, as good of a spot as he'll see all season two. I, I'm interested to see how much work he loses to Carlos Hyde. Hopefully it's not much. I won't be surprised if we look back on Monday and it's, you know, like a 60-40 split. But, um, yeah, you're, you're you're starting James Robinson in this in this spot. Yeah, my only prediction on that front is that Carlos Hyde will touch the ball more than anyone outside of Urban Meyer's yeah. office wants him to. Definitely. And I, as you said, on the Houston side, I don't want to talk about anything. Nope, it's going to be you know probably a three-man committee in the backfield, um, tight end. Who knows? Maybe it's Jordan Akins, but you know Brandon Cooks is the only guy. I still think he's just a bet on talent and a bet on volume. You know he he, he should be you know one of the better volume bets in the NFL every week. Yeah, he really should. So let's move on from that team and to the Minnesota Vikings at the Cincinnati Bengals. It's Vikings by three on the road here, over under a forty-eight. Great spot for Kirk Cousins and the rest of the Vikings offense. Dalvin Cook and the Wyatts are obvious plays. From Minnesota Cousins, I would also probably start over Justin Herbert, not over Dak Prescott, similar to the Trevor Lawrence thing. And if I were choosing between Kirk Cousins, Trevor Lawrence would really be kind of a, a coin flip for me. The Vikings have an implied point total 25 and a half this week. So that's almost three points ahead of the Chargers in their game at Washington. And, you know, we're just talking about a bad Bengals defense versus yep. what we expect to still be a very good Washington defense. Yeah, bad Bengals defense um, missing cornerback Trey Wayne. So they're going to be starting Chidobi, Awuzie, and Eli Apple, who he's on his fifth team in the last four years now. So it's just a total mismatch for Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I, I like I like that as a DFS stack just because if Cousins goes off, like you know it's going to Jefferson and Thielen. So that, that's, that's one I'll be looking at this week in DFS. Not really anything else to hit on the Viking side, I think. I mean, I'm ready, I'm ready for Tyler Conklin to be a factor overall mm-hmm. this year, but Limited Wednesday with a hamstring issue. I'm certainly not ready to bet on him for that one. No, not yet. A, a decent stash, especially in, you know, like FFPC, tight end premium leagues. Um, we'll see if Chris Hernan's even going to play after just joining the team like a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, um, with, with Conklin still not at 100%, I, I wouldn't use him this week. 
On the Cincinnati side, Joe Mixon's definitely starting. I know it's a shocking revelation from our podcast. Mm -hmm. If you drafted Jamar Chase or T. Higgins, you probably should start either of those guys as well. I would really love to be able to wait at least a week on Jamar Chase, though, if it is close. It's easier for me because I haven't been drafting him at any point. And um, they are playing against a Vikings defense that's pretty average to maybe worse than that at corner. Um, but I, I'd, I'd rather wait on Jamar Chase if possible. I certainly feel better about Tyler Boyd. Yeah, you know, I'd rank him this week, T. Higgins one, Tyler Boyd two, and then a, you know, a pretty decent-sized drop down to Jamar Chase. You know, there, there were even some, you know, I don't know if they were reports or whispers that, you know, Chase could lose some snaps to Auden Tate early on in the season just because of how much he struggled, um, you know, in training camp and in preseason, actually. I mean, it wasn't just the drops in preseason. He was, you know, supposedly struggling with those in training camp as well. So he's going to get it figured out, but I agree. He's a pretty risky week one fantasy play. And I said that if you draft Chase, you probably should start him, but I don't even think I agree with that now that I say it out loud because you drafted him for the ultimate upside. It doesn't mean that he has to deliver right away. If you get something like what Chase Claypool did last year, you know, plus not having the playing time fall off late in the year by coach's decision, then I think that's what you're hoping to get out of Jamar Chase. So even if you did draft Jamar Chase round four, if you have good other options at wideout, I think it's okay to sit him and wait and see. Yeah, he chases 45th in our PPR wide receiver rankings for week one. So, you know, they're most teams I think you're going to have three better options this week. Mm -hmm. I would rather wait and see on the quarterback, too, Joe Burrow. I would play Matt Ryan and Sam Darnold over him. I would strongly consider Baker Mayfield and Ryan Fitzpatrick over him. That's just just looking at guys that are currently behind Joe Burrow in the rankings. Obviously, there's upside, and I'm not scared of the matchup with Minnesota, but you know, for all the Jamar Chase struggles we heard about, we also heard some frustration from Joe Burrow in coming back from the knee injury. And even if he's good to go for the season, I'd rather see what he's got for a week on that um, repaired knee before trusting that he's ready to lead my fantasy team. Yeah, I would definitely rather not use Burrow this week. You know, he is uh, pretty safely outside our top 12 quarterbacks. Um, it, it did sound like he got more comfortable and better throughout training camp. You know, we, we still, we only saw him for three preseason snaps. So th there's a lot of risk here. Um, this Vikings defense, by the way, they have, they have a lot of new pieces. You know, it wasn't great last year, but it could be a much better defense this season. So yeah, ideally you're waiting on Joe Burrow at least uh, until week two. Yeah. And especially on the pass rush front, they got Daniel Hunter back from injury. They got Anthony, um, what was like, uh, what's his last name? <laughs> Barr. Anthony Barr. I uh, got him back from injury. So it could be a very different defense. And it's a defense that had before last season been much tougher than it was last year. So yep. yeah, just kind of a, a downside risk spot for me. And I think players such as Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold have a higher floor with some ceiling built in as well. That's fair. Anything else from that game before we move on? Nope. Pittsburgh at Buffalo, the Bills by six and a half in this one. Over under 48 and a half is down a little from where it opened. Start the guys that you drafted on the Pittsburgh side as starters. Najee Harris is going to be a starter for you probably every week. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, all sit among our top 36 in PPR in that order. I think that's how I would play them this week. And don't overrate the individual matchup for any of those players either. We do have Tredavious White in the secondary on the Buffalo side, but all of those Pittsburgh wideouts move around the formation. Yeah, I'm not worried about the matchup. I mean, the, the, the Steelers implied total is at 21 
it's the sixth lowest on the week. So, you know, Vegas has some concerns here, whether it's about the Steelers offense in general or, or the Bills defense, which I do think will be good this season. Um, yeah, the, the three wide receivers are still starting. Najee Harris is a weekly fantasy starter. He's going to be, you know, one of the best volume bets at the position throughout the season, I think. Um, ben Roethlisberger, I would not want to use this week. And then I'd avoid the tight ends too and just see what happens because, again, in that, you know, we had Pat Fryermuth score, scored the two touchdowns in the second preseason game. Then in the third, you know, he was he was splitting uh, pass routes with Eric Ebron, so that might be a committee right out of the gate. So I, w- I would try not to use um, either of those Steelers tight ends right right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like the implied total on Pittsburgh might be a little bit low. I mean, Buffalo's got some defensive talent, but uh, they were middling in, in terms of DVOA last year. I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. I I, I think it's probably a bit of hesitation on Ben Roethlisberger, you know, on the chance that last year was kind of the start of his decline as opposed to a year coming off the elbow surgery. And now he's in better shape. I mean, if big Ben's ever going to be okay this season, it's going to be early on. Like, I think you got to worry about him tailing off again, like we saw last year, but at least he should be fresh heading into week one. Yeah, that said, he's certainly not in the fantasy consideration for me, especially on the road in week one. Yep, agreed. On the Buffalo side, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs are auto starts. Stephon Diggs is off the injury report, so we don't have to worry about – what was it, a hamstring that he was on there with? Uh, yeah, that or a foot. Mm. Either way, it doesn't sound like it's an issue now that the games are for real. Um, so behind those guys, I think Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders are kind of low-level risk-reward options where they could be in the starting picture for you, but I'm not reaching too far. And Sanders, we're going to have to watch and see after he was limited Wednesday with a foot issue. Yeah, and he, he was dealing with that foot in early August. I don't know if it was an issue throughout the month or something cropped up again, or, or maybe they're just listing him because he, he's a veteran and he had a foot at, at one point in time. Um, yeah, I, 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 this isn't the matchup I'd go, you know, searching deep down the, you know, the Buffalo target tree for options. I think Beasley and Sanders are always going to have upside um, weekly this year just because of how good the passing game is. But um, I would, you know, Sanders, especially, I think in his first game with the Bills, I would try not to use him this week. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, especially with the foot thing. I'll be curious to see too, if he goes from, you know, limited Wednesday to full practice Thursday, right. and then that would be an indication they're just resting him rather than concerned about the the foot. I would also rather not use a bills running back against what should be a tough defense. We're still waiting to see if TJ Watts going to be playing for the Steelers. I, I still have a hard time imagining him not playing just because of the contract squabble, but it's at least a question mark at this point. So we'll be watching that for matchup purposes, but Either way, on T.J. Watt, it's not a great matchup for Bills running backs, and we don't know what the workload split is going to look like. It'd be Zach Moss first if I'm choosing one, but I would prefer to not use one. Yeah, and Watt was a full go in Wednesday's practice after, like, what, only doing individual drills or something throughout the summer, kind of like a hold-in, I guess. Um, so I, I, I do think he's going to play at this point. Um, yeah, the, the backfield, it's going to be a committee. Devin Singletary seemed to be ahead of Zach Moss throughout the summer and in preseason action, and Singletary looked awesome in the preseason. So he, he might lead in carries this week. Um, but again, there's just, you know, very little touchdown upside with Singletary. They don't use him there. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's a situation to avoid again, as you said, especially in this tough uh, matchup against a, a good Steelers run defense. Yeah. And even while Devin Singletary was having a buzzy camp, we got in limited view, we got Zach Moss still taking that work near the goal line and getting some of the yep. third down work. So, you know, it, it's just, it's a situation that's probably going to be frustrating, especially early. Yep, agreed. Philadelphia at Atlanta. The Falcons are three-and-a-half-point favorites, a 48-point over-under. I think on the Philly side, Jalen Hurts 
Miles Sanders would probably be in my lineup if I drafted either one, depending on what else I have mixed in with them. I think it's worth noting, though, that the Falcons ranked sixth in run defense DVOA, according to Football Outsiders, last year. They allowed the second fewest running back rushing yards in the league uh, behind only the Buccaneers. So I'm not sure that it's a bad rushing matchup, but we need to be ready for the possibility that it's a bad rushing matchup. Yeah, definitely possible, and we'll have to see, you know, what Miles Sanders' uh, role in the passing game is. I think it's possible, if not likely, that he loses quite a bit of that to Boston Scott and or Kenny Gainwell. Um, but I do think, you know, especially with Philly letting go of on Johnson and Jordan Howard, like, you know, Miles Sanders is pretty safe as the lead ball carrier, should get most of the goal line work. Um, and, I, I I mean, this game has a 48-point over-under. I'd, I'd bet the over, if anything. I think it should be a high-scoring game, so I like I like using pieces of this game. Yeah, I think if anything, it might be potential offensive struggles that limit the scoring more than the defense on either side of this game. There's a chance for that. But yeah, there's also plenty of chance that this game does shoot out. Yeah, I mean, two offenses breaking in new coordinators. So, you know, there's some risk, I think, to both of them. But I like the upside. Dallas Goddard also most likely starting if I drafted him. Zach Ertz, a mid-level option as well, sits 15th in our PPR rankings. I think that if I were choosing between Zach Ertz and Rob Gronkowski, I would probably lean Ertz for PPR and Gronk otherwise. Ertz definitely safer. Um, You know, Gronk, I think, is a better touchdown bet, which gives him the higher ceiling. Devontae Smith, before we get off the Philly side, I would prefer to wait on him, but I think I would take a shot on Devontae Smith over Jamar Chase because I believe the ceiling is higher for Smith in terms of target share. Yes, I would definitely use Smith over Chase this week. I'd be I'd be fine using Smith as a wide receiver three. Again, I think the the matchup's good. I, I do think he looks like their clear number one wide receiver. And it's going to be Jalen Rager at the other outside spot and Quez Watkins in the slot. Uh, but you know, Rager, it sounded like he had an up and down training camp at best. So um, I, I think it's, you know, Smith is the clear top guy in this passing game already. Yeah, I think I'd probably also take a shot on him over either of the Bills guys that we mentioned behind Stefan Diggs, obviously. Yeah, me too. On the Falcons side, they open with a nice matchup. The Eagles were mid-pack on defense last year, 24th versus the pass in uh, DVOA, 13th against the run. Falcons D actually finished one spot higher in overall DVOA than the Eagles. We usually think about the Eagles being a a solid to good defense. Now, first Falcon I have to get to here is Mike Davis. Because if you're not playing Mike Davis this week, then I wonder why you drafted him. Three and a half point home favorite. Wayne Gallman arrived a week ago. We don't know if he's going to have any role on offense. Arthur Smith said that key to signing him was that he will also contribute on special teams. And the Eagles faced the league's seventh most running back carries last year. I don't think we're expecting them to run away in this game. So there should be plenty of rushing volume available. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the summer went about as well for Mike Davis as Mike Davis fans could have hoped. Um, you know, he he should be the clearer lead back here again, as you said, in a good matchup and uh, as a home favorite with a with a nice implied total. So it's a good spot for Mike Davis. It's actually Cordero Patterson that's listed as the the number two running back on the depth chart. So we'll see exactly you know how Atlanta plans to to use him. Uh, probably going to use him to outscore Mike Davis right away. We'll <laughs> That'd be see. nice. I I have some see Pat late. <laughs> That's right. Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, auto starts. To me, Russell Gage is basically Cole Beasley. Uh, he's, yeah, I mean, he, he's a lesser version of Cole Beasley. I'm curious to see, though, with Gage, if, if they use him on the outside in two wide receiver sets or if they, you know, go to Olmedy, Zacchaeus. Um, Cause that'll, if Gage isn't on the field in two wide receiver sets, then he's a guy you can just drop, I think. I think Russell Gage does gain some value by not having a man bun, though. Fair. Yep. 
Matt Ryan's an option. He's outside our top 12. The floor should be higher than somebody like Joe Burrow or Baker Mayfield, but I also have a little trouble getting excited about the ceiling. Again, I agree with what you said before that there is some shootout potential here. So maybe that raises that ceiling, but there's also a chance that things are just a little sluggish in the first game. I, I just want to see what this Arthur Smith offense looks like, like without Derrick Henry, like they're not going to be nearly as, as run heavy as they were in Tennessee, but you know how run heavy are they going to be? Cause Atlanta has been one of the past heaviest offenses in the league over the past couple of years. It's, it's an offense. I'm just kind of going to sit back and, and see what it looks like in week one here. Yeah, definitely not trying to overcommit to this one. Yep. Anything else from that side, though? Uh, nope, that's it. San Francisco at Detroit. The 49ers are seven and a half point favorites. We got an over under 45 for this game. Trey Lance not starting this game. Maybe he'll play. He's got the finger issue. It was limited Wednesday, but he, he's not going to be anything more than souped up Taysom Hill for this game. Jimmy Garoppolo probably going to finish higher than any of us wants him to in the QB rankings. I'm not saying that I'm strongly considering using him anywhere, but last year's Lions allowed the second most QB fantasy points and the most QB passing points, as well as the most QB passing points per attempt. So it's a great spot. I almost didn't want to say it, but if Trey Lance is out, I think Garoppolo is like an interesting DFS tournament play. I don't, you know, you're not using him in one quarterback leagues, you know, maybe super flex, two quarterback. That's if Trey Lance is out. If Trey Lance is active, he, he's going to be part of the game plan, I think. You know, assuming he didn't miss too much practice time. But I think he's going to get in there kind of for a Taysom Hill type of role. I mean, that, that would kill any chance Garoppolo has at, at any fantasy value. Brandon Ayuk was back to full practice Wednesday with his hamstring issue. He and Debo Samuel should both be good to go for sensible usage in this one. You know, we'll see about the volume, but the matchup's great. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get a better matchup for these guys all season. So Ayuk, Debo, and George Kittle are, are pretty solid starters. I think both Trey Sermon and Raheem Mostert are in play. Mostert's off the injury report, so don't ask him anything about knee braces or anything. <laughs> Anybody who says that they know how the work will be split between these two and which one is definitively a better play, though, is lying, because I think we're all guessing at this point. I agree there. I also think they're, they're both they're, they're both nice plays, just because, I mean, you, you could see – the Niners run for 200 yards in this game, like, you know, good run offense, bad run defense, game flow should work in favor of, you know, rushing volume. So I think Sermon and most are, are both, uh, you know, pretty, pretty solid RB2, RB3 types this week. I agree. You can check Jared's uh, preseason week three notes still, by the way, up on draftrex.com for some of the split between these guys in the preseason. We only saw 10 preseason snaps from Raheem Mostert, all of those in the third preseason game. And in that game, they were both in with the starters. So I think we should see plenty of both. And I agree, they're both in play. Both have upside for this game. It's entirely possible they both score. Yep, for sure. On the Detroit side, it really does not a single player beyond TJ Hawkinson that I would actually feel comfy playing. Mm -hmm. I mean, even Hawkinson has a, a potentially difficult matchup with Fred Warner, likely in primary coverage on him. Uh, but Hawkinson did at least put in a full practice Wednesday coming off the minor shoulder issue that kind of lingered throughout camp. So he should be healthy for this one. Should see plenty of targets. DeAndre Swift, also a full practice participant Wednesday. Yeah, after, you know, some of those comments from Dan Campbell about not knowing about Swift's week one role, like it, it seems to me he's going to be ready for whatever Detroit had planned for him originally. Like you said, you know, he, he, he you know, returned to practice a couple of weeks ago, reportedly looked good right out of the gate and then, you know, full, full go on Wednesday. So I, I still think as we've been saying all off season that Jamal Williams is going to probably have a bigger role than a lot of people would like him to have. Um, but you know, Swift, Swift should be ready for, you know, whatever was the plan originally, you know, some, something like, you know, 10 to 14 carries and, you know, a handful of targets. So I, I feel okay starting him even in this tough matchup. 
I mean, I think there is always the chance that they limit him initially just saying he's coming off the groin. We don't want to damage him right away. We do like Jamal Williams. So let's maybe limit the snap count a little bit, but there's certainly upside. Otherwise we wouldn't have been drafting Swift at all. So he's definitely in starter range. Certainly not somebody that would make me feel comfy, but sometimes you just have to push that aside. It's week one in the NFL. None Mm -hmm. of any of the things that we feel comfy about, we probably should not be feeling comfy about. I'm not comfortable doing this podcast yet. We don't, we don't know anything. That's right. That's uh, I'm trying to keep it uncomfortable. Speaking of uncomfortable, Tyrell Williams, I like drafting him at the very end of a best ball draft. It would take a deep league for me to be considering <laughs> starting him in week one. Yeah, I drafted I drafted him in plenty of best balls. I don't think I took him in any lineup setting leagues. That, you know, I don't I don't want to have to you know press the start button or even think about pressing the start button on Tyrell Williams. That's right. Anything else here before we move on? Nope. The L.A. Chargers at Washington game we've alluded to a couple of times. The Chargers are one-point favorites on the road, over under a 44-and-a-half. Only the Rams allowed fewer touchdown passes last year than Washington. Only the Rams beat Washington in net yards allowed per pass attempt. Now we get Washington returning Landon Collins from an Achilles injury last year. They clearly believe they upgraded a corner with William Jackson III and free agency Chase Young and Montez Sweat are a year older. They added a first-round linebacker and Jamin Davis. We'll see about this defense this year, but, I mean, it should continue to be good. Yeah, definitely going to be a defense we're probably, you know, shying away from in fantasy. You know, the big story in this game, obviously, is Austin Eckler, who did not practice on Wednesday with a hamstring. It's the first we had heard of it. I don't know when he suffered the injury. Um, he was at least, you know, working off to the side with, with trainers for whatever that's worth. He wasn't you know, like doing nothing, um, but we'll have to see. And, you know, if, if Eckler's out, I think, you know, that, that's when you really worry about Justin Herbert because you know, Eckler's such going to be such a big part of that passing game. Yeah. And if Eckler is a DNP again on Thursday, then it's time to plan on not using him this week. Either way. I mean, whether he's in or out, Justin Jackson needs to be coming off of waiver wires this week. Cause Jackson's a full go on Wednesday. Brandon Staley said he was a full go, not just off the injury report. So Justin Jackson's the number two running back there in a spot where the number two running back should see more work than, you know, a true backup in other mm-hmm. places. I'm not saying use Justin Jackson this week, but there shouldn't be a, a league of 12 plus teams. I think beyond today or whenever waivers are in your league where Justin Jackson's still a free agent. Yeah, it should definitely be stashed. Um, and if, if Eckler is out on Sunday, I think, you know, Jack, he, he's not a safe bet because we don't know exactly what the workload's going to, you know, what the work split's going to be. And I do think Josh Kelly would still be involved to some extent, but you know, if Jackson's the number two guy and he's getting, you know, 15 or so touches, you know, he's, he's going to be a fantasy option. And really the only issue for uh, Justin Jackson so far has been staying healthy. Obviously that is an issue, but it's not a big issue and not even one worth worrying about. If you're talking about the end of a draft, if you haven't drafted yet or somebody that you're picking up off of waivers, we'll take six healthy games from him. If that's all we get, whenever he's been on the field, he has performed well. Coaches have spoken highly of him and he's graded out well in PFF numbers. Yeah, for sure. So beyond that, I mean, I think it's just the obvious stuff. Keenan Allen's an auto start, regardless of matchup. Mike Williams and the tight ends for the Chargers, I would rather not use in this matchup this week. Agreed. Um, you know, Mike Williams, kind of in the same boat as like Mike Gallup, where, you know, he, he's a boom bust guy. You want to probably use him in, in good spots where you think the Chargers offense is going to have a lot of success. I, I don't think that's going to be this week. Um, tough individual matchup too. You know, Washington has a couple of strong outside corners. So um, Williams is a guy, I, you know, you're, you're going to want to use him a lot of weeks this season. This is not one of them for me, at least. 
And one final note on Justin Herbert, you know, I mentioned some guys that I would play over him. I'm not saying bench Justin Herbert at all costs here. I do think there is real downside risk though. So, you know, especially if you don't already have a second quarterback on your roster, I wouldn't go scouring the waiver wire this week to get a replacement. No, me either. Um, it, this would be a good test for the Chargers O-line too. It should be a lot better this season after, you know, adding Corey Lindsley, drafting Rashawn Slater, you know, they get, they get, you know, maybe one of the best D lines in football right off the bat in week one. On the Washington offensive side, I'm not treating the Chargers as a matchup to either target or avoid this week. It might end up being a good defense. It might not be. I, I, I For me, it's neutral right now. I think Terry McLaurin should start if you drafted him. I think Logan Thomas and especially Antonio Gibson should start if you drafted them. Beyond that, not really especially looking uh, to grab anybody to use. Yep, I'm with you there. Um, Curtis Samuel, at this point, I would not expect him to even play in this game. It, you know, I don't know if he re-aggravated his groin injury or just you know, still wasn't good to begin with when he tried to practice yesterday, but you know, it didn't look good. It didn't sound good from Ron Rivera after practice. So um, that, that to me makes Logan Thomas easier to trust because I think, you know, Samuel is the guy whenever he gets healthy, you know, you know, could steal some of that short range work from Logan Thomas. So, you know, Thomas, a guy, you know, we've been lower than consensus on all off season, but I, I do think, you know, he's a, a solid lower end uh, tight end one that's, you know, going to at least give you a pretty high floor at the position. Yeah. If nothing else, I mean, the fact that the lower end of tight end one territory has gotten uglier throughout draft season only makes Logan Thomas look more like a guy that you can, you know, at least fall back on. Yep. And if you have him at this point, then it's a usable week for him. New York Jets at the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are five point favorites and over under 45 for this game. I think with both Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson, they're guys that I don't want to rank too high for the week one rankings, but I think either is totally capable of hitting the top 15 and especially Sam Darnold. I think there's upside into the top 12 this week. It's Darnold easily ahead of Zach Wilson for me because of the receivers that he has on this side. Uh, Darnold is right there with Kirk Cousins, Trevor Lawrence, and ahead of Joe Burrow for me this week. Yeah, I definitely think this game has some shootout potential. You know, it's interesting Vegas has you know fairly low over under on the game, and it's it's fair because we have, there's a lot of questions about both offenses, obviously. But I think there's more questions about the defenses, especially on the Jets side. I mean, there's actually not much question. Like it's going to be a very bad pass defense at the least. Um, so yeah, with, with those three wide receivers, the Panthers are going to be trotting out along with Christian McCaffrey. Like it, it's all there for Sam Darnold. There's there's no excuses really starting right in week one here. Mm -hmm. Sam Darnold's probably going to land ahead of Justin Herbert in like my fantasy pros rankings for the week. Honestly, I can't tell you who I would start between them. If I, if it's Sunday morning, if it's Sunday at 1250, if I'm being honest and I'm setting the lineup, I'm not sure which one I'm landing on because if I play Darnold and then Herbert has a Herbert game, I would kick myself. Yeah. And season long, I, I, I don't think I'd get that fancy. I'd stick with Herbert, but um, Darnold, someone I'm probably definitely going to throw in at least one DFS tournament lineup just, just based on the matchup. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, I think you're easy starters most weeks, and it, that certainly includes this week. If maybe this week more than any other. Terrace Marshall, I think, is in the same kind of territory as Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, um, but I think I would ultimately go Terrace Marshall over those guys because of – the the upside to this matchup i would play him over rondale Moore. it'd be a coin flip probably between marshall and elijah Moore because i think the target ceiling is higher for elijah Moore. but there's also a lot more talent in the panthers secondary than the jets secondary so i think i would also land on terrace marshall over elijah Moore for this week 
it's always a bit scary when, you know, you, you haven't seen a guy in a real game yet, but like it, it, you know, Marshall is locked in as Carolina's number three wide receiver. They're going to be in three wide receiver sets quite a bit. So he's going to be on the field. Like you said, the matchup is awesome. These jets corners look like a joke. Um, so I, I, I would use Devonte Smith over Terrace Marshall, but we, when you start getting to get, you know, to the other rookies like chase and Elijah Moore and Rondell Moore, I, I think Marshall's right in the mix with those guys. Yeah, and I mean, we're all guessing among those guys. None of them have actually played a game yet. They've all seen limited snaps yeah. so far. So don't don't rely on what I or Jared are saying about, like, you know, one of those guys versus the other because we're all guessing. I, I mean, I, I actually feel safer about Marshall's role than either Rondell or Elijah Moore. Yeah. Like, you know, Elijah Moore, I, I think he's going to be the number two there at least, but you know, we didn't see him at all in the preseason. So there's a chance that um, he's a bit limited in week one here. And I think if we say that all these guys are going to get five or six targets this week, I'd feel best about Terrace Marshall producing on those five or six targets. Yeah, agreed. On the Jets side, I think Corey Davis might be the only player I'm actively starting. Even then, he's just in high wide receiver three territory. Obviously, excited about Elijah Moore long-term, but as you just said, we haven't seen much of him in actual game action yet with Zach Wilson, so we don't really know what the connection will be. We're just going off of the practice reports Mm -hmm. and the fact that Elijah Moore is very talented. And there's one version of the Jets depth chart where Moore was with the first team. There's another version where he was with the second team. Um, Jameson Crowder is iffy for this game. He has a, what is it, a groin injury, and he's on the COVID list. Um, you know, if he's out, that'd make Moore a lot easier to trust. Because then, you know, and then worst case, he's their number three. You know, maybe Keelan Cole is playing ahead of him to start. But um, So, yeah, watch Crowder's status if you're um, hoping to use Elijah Moore. Tevin Coleman's not a all that attractive a starting option but i think he becomes a solid option for zero zero rb type teams or even you know the, the kind of team where you drafted an anchor rb and then waited a long time for the position yeah he's a guy that you know can maybe get you by for the first few weeks before you hopefully find something better on the waiver wire but it you know every the, the depth chart says coleman's the number one preseason usage suggests he's the number one i still think ty johnson and even michael carter are going to be involved you know it's probably going to be a three-man committee so you're not expecting big volume from Tevin Coleman, but I do think he's the best bet in the Jets backfield this week. Yes, I agree. Nothing else on the Jets side, right? Nope. Cleveland Browns at Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are six and a half point favorites here. The four, the 54 and a half over under is the highest of the week. Not a shock. That's usually the case with Chiefs games. <laughs> on the Browns side, I mean, if you drafted Kareem Hunt, then you should be hoping that this game goes the way that Vegas has projected that it will. Last year, 27 targets in Cleveland's 11 victories, 2.45 per game, 24 targets in the five losses, 4.8 per game, one target in each of the two playoff games, including the narrow loss at KC. The reason I really don't feel good about playing Kareem Hunt at all is 6.8 carries per game over the final six games last year, including the playoffs. That was, of course, with Nick Chubb back. It also dropped off during the time after Nick Chubb returned. So I think you drafted Kareem Hunt for the ultimate upside and, of course, the chance of the handcuff upside. Don't let it make you start Kareem Hunt right away, though, because that's just he's not he's not a good bet for touches. Yeah, I mean. Fremont was always more handcuffed than standalone fantasy option to me, you know, in drafting this summer. He didn't go talked about a lot, but, you know, Chubb, Chubb kind of pulled even with Kareem Hunt as far as passing game usage late last season. Even in that, uh, in, in the playoff loss to Kansas City, uh, Chubb out targeted Hunt five to one in that game. 
Um, now I, I wouldn't project Chubb to, you know, out target Hunt again in this one, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. Um, so yeah, Hunt, Hunt's definitely shaky. You know, I, I think you're expecting like 10 or so touches and that, that's always risky. Yeah. And I think 10 touches is, is high. I could easily, it could easily be eight. So yep. don't, don't think that you have to start Kareem Hunt. It, it, he's probably going to be a touchdown or bust. Um, I'd be willing to sit him for lower drafted options, such as Damian Harris, either 49er running back this week. Oh, yeah. Not sure if I were choosing between like Kareem Hunt and Ronald Jones, it'd be tough. That's more of a coin flip. What about Tevin Coleman? Uh, kind of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- 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 it should be a high scoring game and, you know, Hunt's a good player behind maybe the best O-line in the NFL. So th- there's upside. It's just, again, um, we want volume out of our running backs and then, uh, you know, Hunt's not going to get it without a Chubb injury. More exciting names for Cleveland Browns. I'm starting Odell Beckham. We had a question in the chat on uh, YouTube about it, whether you should start Michael Gallup, DJ Chark, or Odell Beckham. OBJ is easily the guy for me among those three. Yes, me too. Um, I think you consider OBJ like a wide receiver three this week, You know, obviously in his first action since that torn ACL last October. There was a report from uh, Mary Kay Cabot, one of the Browns insiders, that, that Beckham's going to play a, quote, significant amount this week. Um, and he might still be on some type of snap. Kind of wouldn't be surprised if we look on Monday and he played, you know, 70% of the snaps, but, um, you know, again, should, should be a high scoring game. The matchup is actually tough. Kansas city has been tough on wide receivers for a few years in a row. Now they were uh, the second stingiest defense against wide receivers last year, but like, there's no individual matchup. You're, you're super worried about for Odell Beckham. Yeah. Beckham was limited Wednesday with the knee thing. We'll see whether that's just a this week thing, or I wouldn't be surprised if all year we see him limited or not practicing Wednesdays just to kind of maintain that knee throughout the year. Yeah. I would, I would expect to see that. Mm -hmm. So be curious to see what his participation level is on Thursday. Uh, Jarvis Landry also in that wide receiver three kind of mix, obviously not quite the ceiling of Beckham unless he gets big target volume. And I don't think that we're projecting that for anybody in this offense. Austin Hooper might be the most interesting relative to draft position among these three guys. Yeah, definitely. I like Hooper here. Um, Again, Kansas city tough on wide receivers last year, but they allowed the third most fantasy points to tight ends. Um, and, And this is a game where you can, Project Cleveland to probably throw it more than they're going to most of the season if they fall behind Kansas City. So I definitely think Hooper is a nice, you know, streaming option if you, you, you didn't get one of those top end tight ends in your draft. And I forgot to check, but I feel like I remember the Browns targeting tight ends a lot in this playoff game last year. And it was just spread among yes. Hooper, David and Joku, and maybe even Harrison Bryant for that game. Yeah, so Hooper caught just two of three targets, and Joku caught four of five targets. So that's eight targets. I think uh, Bryant had one or two. So, yeah, they were up around 10 total targets for the tight ends. It can only help the matchup, too, that second-year linebacker Willie Gay Jr., who's supposed to be a starter for the Chiefs, is opening the year on short-term IR. I think it's a groin injury. I don't remember for sure. But he had particularly impressed the summer in coverage. So his absence can only help the matchup. For those tight ends, Austin Hooper, I think I, I would even move him a, a few spots above where he had, where we have him in the rankings right now. Yeah, I like him quite a bit. On the Chiefs side, well, actually, before we get away from the Browns, I, I will say I, I don't think that I would dip all the way down to Baker Mayfield if I didn't have to. There's upside, but there's also the downside. We don't know that the volume is going to be there, especially if the game ends up being closer than Vegas says. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather go Sam Darnold, for example, if I'm looking in that range for quarterback. Yeah, I'd probably lean Darnold. It's close, though. Again, I think uh, Baker's volume should be up from what it's going to be most of this season. 
Um, so, and, and he's a fine, he's a fine quarterback too. I, I think you're probably messing with him in one quarterback leagues this week. Mm-hmm. Now onto the Chiefs side, where I think if you're considering him, then if you're consider start considering starting him, then go ahead and do so. Uh, Clyde edwards Elair, a full participant on Wednesday, coming off his ankle sprain, so it sounds like that's not an issue. Nicole Hardman was limited with an oblique issue. I would rather not use Nicole Hardman in this game if I can help it. No, me either. And just and beyond the injury, I, I still want to see his usage because he he looked like the clear number three still behind obviously Tyreek Hill and Demarcus Robinson was still you know playing over Nicole Hardman when the Chiefs went to, to two wide receiver sets. So um, I don't know. I, I'm I've gone back to like the pessimistic side on Nicole Hardman. I think he just kind of might be what he is at this point, kind of like a you know gadget deep threat type player. But but we'll see. I'm interested to see his early season usage. I feel like the easiest projection for me on him is that he's going to be frustrating to own in a lineup setting league. Yeah, for sure. Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, I think just cheap DFS considerations, not guys that I'm strongly considering for my full season lineups. Yeah. It's, it's Robinson for me again. He was uh, Pringle didn't get many snaps with the first team in the preseason. I kind of, you know, opened back in the spring, hoping Pringle would kind of, take over as that number two wide receiver, but it's still like, looks like it's going to be Robinson to at least, to at least open the season. Mm-hmm. Green Bay at new Orleans Packers by four and a half. That's up two points from where it opened over under 50 points here. You're firing up the obvious guys on the green Bay side. I think Robert Tunyon uh, gets to non-obvious territory. It's an iffy matchup. The saints actually opened last year struggling against tight ends, but by the end of the year, they ranked second toughest in the league in football outsiders, DVOA and tight end coverage. So I think ultimately I'm probably starting Robert Tunyon if he was the first tight end I drafted, unless the second one I got behind him was Austin Hooper. Yeah. Yeah. Tunyon, uh, I guess not surprisingly scored when these two teams uh, met last season, which he did for a lot of last year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he is still one of the, the better touchdown bets at the position once you get behind the top five or six guys. Um, this game, by the way, is in Jacksonville because of you know, the hurricane issues that, New Orleans is dealing with, you know, that, that, that can't help uh, the Saints. It can't hurt the Packers because, you know, the, the Saints do have one. I, I think one of the bigger home field advantages in the NFL, they won't have it this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not using A.J. Dillon on the Green Bay side versus a run defense. That's been tough in recent seasons. Second in DVOA last season uh, behind only Tampa Bay. Yeah, I, I still think he's going to be handcuffed, not standalone fantasy option. But another situation we'll, we'll see here in week one. Yeah, very curious to see the workload for him. On the Saints side, it's fun to dream about what might be for the post-Drew Brees Saints, but I'm not starting anyone but beyond Alvin Kamara, obviously, and Marquez Calloway. And even in the case of Calloway, it's like low wide receiver three territory with a wide range of potential outcomes for him this week. Yeah, it I, sounds like I might be a bit higher on Calloway than you. Um, I, I do still think he's going to be the you know the clear top wide receiver here. Traquan Smith is going to play in this game, but you know he missed basically all of August. You know we didn't see him in any preseason games. Um, Callaway and Jameis, you know we, we saw it in that second preseason game. They they seem to have a connection. Um, tougher matchup for Callaway. You know he's going to see some of Jair Alexander, who's one of the best corners in the league. Um, but I just think you know volume um, makes Callaway someone I, I'd feel okay about as a wide receiver three. Yeah, I would feel okay about him in that range too, but I think that it's it's possible we get an eight-target, three-catch game from him here for, you know, 32 yards. Yep, possible. <laughs> Traquan Smith, as you mentioned, is back. He's off the injury report. Challenges that target share. It's still not a diverse offense, though, so we'll right. see where the targets go in this game. Traquan Smith certainly not somebody I'm looking to use this week, and really I'm just backing away from the, the Saints offense the, otherwise and seeing what happens. 
Yep, me too. Um, Adam Troutman is going to play in this game too, um, you know, which seemed unlikely. I mean, he got carted off the field in that second preseason game, but he's off the injury report. Um, but I'm sure he's going to be the lead, the lead pass catching tight end. You know, Juwan Johnson was doing a lot of that in the preseason. So that, that's a situation to monitor, but definitely not using either of those guys this week. I'm also curious to see if there's anything to Deontay Harris or if he's just going <laughs> to continue being the fast guy that gets two to three targets a week. Yeah, I think he's just too small to be like a, a, a big role, to play a big role in the offense. I agree. And I kind of glanced over it, but Jared, what are we doing with Marquez Valdez Scantling in this game? He came up in yeah. the, the chat and YouTube. You know, he, he's in a he's in a great spot. Um, you know, assuming Marshawn Lattimore spends most of this game on Devontae Adams, uh, the Saints number two corner is Ken Crawley, who's not good to begin with. He's also hurt. He's on the injury report. Um, so it's Paulson Adebo would be the the matchup for MBS. So um I got I, I drafted a ton of ton of the, of him, um, you know, mostly in basketball, even in lineups in the leagues. I would rather not use him right out of the gate, but I mean it's a good matchup, so I would not be surprised if he if he comes out firing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either, but it's it, as you said, it's kind of a risk-reward thing, so you got to kind of make the decision based on who you're weighing him against. Thank you, Jason Spencer, for bringing up the MVS name in the YouTube chat because I was forgetting to uh, mention him specifically before getting away from that team. Now, that said, anything else to go over in this game? Nope. Denver Broncos at the New York Giants. The Broncos are two-and-a-half-point road favorites for this game. That's up one-and-a-half from where it opened. The over-under is 41-and-a-half. It's the lowest of the week by a point and a half. And the number two game is another point and a half short of everybody else. So low scoring projection here. And I can see why when I look at the teams involved, this is a game I would try to avoid using people that aren't named Jerry Judy or Noah fan. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much with you there. Um, and even, you know, fans dealing with the leg injury, he was limited on Wednesday. So we'll see about that. The giants were kind of a neutral matchup for tight ends last season. I, kind of, I expect the same this year. It's a tough matchup. For the wide receivers, um, James Bradbury, Adoree Jackson at corner now for the Giants. And uh, those are two tough matchups. Um, Judy, I would start and I would not want to start. Uh, he's still you know, potentially limited in his first game coming off last year's torn ACL. Yeah, I'd rather see a game from Cortland Sutton before using him, especially with those corners that you mentioned. Adoree Jackson was limited Wednesday with an ankle issue. So we'll see whether he's questionable for that game or if it's just a rest thing. The other thing that I dislike on the Denver offense is not knowing what the backfield work split's going to look like. So, I mean, I'd be okay taking a shot on either Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams in a game that should not get away from either team. So it should, they should be able to run as much as they want to. And I think that Denver's coaches do want to run plenty. So either one's an okay shot to take. Neither one's an exciting shot to take though. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely more optimistic on Javante Williams' early season role now than I was like a month ago. I think, you know, he had a good preseason. There's a quote from Vic Fangio, I think it was last week, you know, basically saying that they, they, they trust Javante Williams in all situations now. So whereas I thought it might be all Melvin Gordon on passing downs, I think Javante might even be mixing in there early on. So, yeah, they're, they're both RB3s. Um, I, I think they'll both probably get double-digit touches in this game. But, again, it's just, it's just not a – not a good game environment. It's going to be going to be a low scoring game. Not a lot of fantasy upside here. I think the level where I would I would strongly consider using either guy is if I'm deciding between them and any of the Tampa Bay running backs or Kareem Hunt or Tevin Coleman. I think there's a higher ceiling to Javante Williams than there is to those guys. Yeah, I would use them. I would use both Broncos backs over Tevin Coleman. Um, the the Bucks backs are tough. I, I I think both Bucks backs are better touchdown bets, even if they're you know maybe not as safe volume bets as the two Broncos guys. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. On the Giants side, I, you kind of have to play Saquon Barkley in most cases at this point, don't you? I think so. Um, yeah, he, he was officially limited in Wednesday's practice. Um, Ian Rappaport said Monday he's, quote, close to being fully cleared. I, I think I, I think how he does and how he responds at practice this week is probably going to tell us how much work he's going to get. I, I'm hoping we get one of those, you know, Sunday morning reports from like Rappaport or Schefter saying, you know, this is kind of what – the Giants' plans are for Saquon this week. And for now, he sits in RB2 range in our rankings. So, you know, it's kind of like with Zeke. There's there's a possibility you have James Robinson and Chris Carson and don't have to use Barkley this week. But I think in most cases, you just trust. I think he'll end up getting like 15 or so touches in this game. And, you know, Barkley on that type of workload, he, he just needs one big play to kind of pay off for fantasy. And especially if six to seven of those are targets, then it certainly helps his scoring, obviously, if you're in PPR more so. I think we'll get some kind of report on Sunday morning again about what the plan is for him, considering, you know, the national guys as well as all of the writers in the New York area. So we'll we'll see. Uh, certainly keep paying attention to that right up until game time if you are deciding whether to use Saquon Barkley. Also, be ready. They have uh, the Thursday night game in week two. So uh, yeah. be ready to consider not playing Barkley in that one since it's going to be such a quick turnaround from the week one. Also, I mean, there's a possibility that they limit his exposure in this game, you know, yeah. just for keeping him available for that game. So it's all, you know, it's all kind of things that we have to think about and things that we can't really know the answers to until they happen. So I guess you just have to consider it when you're weighing Barkley versus specific players for your own lineup. Yeah, that's a good point about the Thursday game. I, I think we're going to see limited Barkley the first two weeks. I think week three, um, you know, off of that extended rest after the Thursday game, I think I think that's when we might kind of see Barkley fully unleashed. Kenny Galladay, it, it depends on where you look for whether he's <laughs> on or off the injury report this week. And that's another thing that we welcome back with the ushering in of the NFL season. Uh, he was actually limited in Wednesday's practice by the hamstring issue. So, that makes me not want to use Kenny Galladay this week. It also makes me feel better about using Sterling Shepard in this game, especially when you also throw in that Evan Engram remained out Wednesday with his calf injury. So, I mean, Sterling Shepard could easily see 10 targets in this game. Yeah, Ingram's not going to play in this game. Um, Galladay, I guess he's going to be out there. I, I would guess he's going to be limited to some extent. The Giants' other two tight ends, Kyle Rudolph and Caden Smith, they're on the injury report. Kadarius Tony's on the injury report. Like, Sterling Shepard's the only giant that's fully healthy. Um, he, he's a guy that, you know, Daniel Jones has a rapport with. Um, so he, he's, he's probably the, the best bet for targets among giants. You know, he's not a super exciting option. There's not a lot of upside, especially in this matchup. I mean, this, this Denver defense is going to be awesome. Um, but I think if you're looking for someone who's going to get, you know, seven or eight targets, you know, as a you know wide receiver three or four in PPR, I think, you know, Shepard might be able to help you there. And I mean, with a chance at 10 to 12, there, if you're looking for something super exciting on offense, don't look at the Giants at any point this season. But yeah, if you want if you want somebody that's going to get the ball, uh, go for some cheap Sterling Shepard this week. Yep. I'll be curious to see his DraftKings price as we get ready for the, the DFS pods. I do still like the full season upside on Daniel Jones versus his ADP, but this definitely ain't the week to try cashing that in. Definitely not this week. And yeah, I guess we'll see. Like he's a guy I liked in best ball. You don't have to, you know, think about it. He'll, he'll give you a few <laughs> spike weeks, hopefully. But um, yeah, but we'll see if he earns the, the our trust to actually use him in, in a lineup setting leagues. Yeah, I do think both defenses look like upside plays in this one. Obviously, Broncos well ahead of the Giants. But if you're yeah. looking for like a fill in for a defense that you just don't want to start in week one, I think the Giants have some upside as well. 
Miami at New England. Patriots are three-point favorites up one from where it opened. 43-point over-under, which is down two and a half. It's the second lowest of the week. Jared, who do you feel good about playing from this game? Um, Honestly, no one on Miami's side. Like, I think, I mean, Mike Kosicki is a lower-end tight end one. New England has been tough against tight ends, though. Uh, the backfield, we don't really know. It sounds like Gaskin's going to be the leader. He's he's the guy to play, but I think like a running back three. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I'm excited about Tua this year. I'm not excited about him this week, um, especially with no Will Fuller. Uh, left tackle Austin Jackson might be out. He's on the COVID list currently. So that tough, uh, tough opening spot for this Dolphins offense. I agree. I, Mike Jacecki is the only guy I listed. Miles Gaskin. I mean, could be fine. I don't even think that the ceiling goes that high. So if you're deciding between him and others, you don't have, I don't think you have to worry about missing out on something good with Miles Gaskin. If you like the ceiling better on somebody else, I'm not sure that I can start anyone on either side beyond Damian Harris and Jacoby Myers. And even, you know, even there, it's not like, oh, I love these guys this week. Those are just the guys that I can see the opportunities coming to. Yeah. Harris, I feel pretty fine with. Um, at least in non-PPR. I mean, I, I do think he's going to be their clear lead back, especially with Ramondre Stevenson dealing with a dislocated thumb now. I'm not even sure he's going to play. And if he does, I think that'll probably limit any type of role they had planned for him. Miami's run defense wasn't great last season, so it's a, a decent matchup for um, Damian Harris. Yeah, uh, Jacoby Myers, I think, is going to be the, the clear lead wide receiver for New England, so he's okay. Um, the the tight like Johnu Smith, to me, is like just behind – Mike Kosicki. I know we didn't see much of him in the preseason, but I, I do still think he's going to play a really big role in this offense, especially when New England going to Mac Jones now and you know running more of a tr- traditional offense. They're going to pass it a bunch more. So Johnny Smith is you know in the mix with like Kosicki and Austin Hooper and those types. Yeah, I think I would personally rather play Austin Hooper this week, but it's also impossible for me to say which of those guys is actually a better bet for targets this week. Yeah, Hooper definitely feels safer just because, you know, we just we just don't know exactly what Johnny's role in this offense is going to be yet. The best thing about week one arriving is that we can start finally answering these questions. It doesn't mean that the, what we see in week one is going to be the answer to these questions, but we can at least get a little bit beyond guessing what's going to happen and see what is actually going to happen. It's also worth mentioning as we're talking about the Patriots pass catchers that Nelson Aguilar was limited on Wednesday with an ankle issue. I mean, we'll watch that. I don't think there are too many people seriously considering Nelson Aguilar for their week one starting lineups, but if he's out, it certainly only helps the target counts or the target outlook for anybody else in that offense. Yeah, definitely. I, I would, I would mention uh, Jalen Waddle too. I think he's kind of in that Rondell Moore, Terrace Marshall mix where you don't know exactly what his role is going to be, but especially with Will Fuller out, um, you know, Waddle might be the, the best target bet among Dolphins wide receivers this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It helps that Will Fuller's out for this opener. So It'll be, I'm very curious to see what happens with everybody in this game, but less curious to have it happen in my lineup. Yeah, I think, I think that, I think this game and, uh, you know, the Denver Giants game are like the, the two least exciting fantasy games of the week. For sure. And Vegas agrees. Sunday night, we have the Chicago Bears at the LA Rams, and at least half of that one's not exciting. But mm-hmm. the Rams are seven and a half point favorites, over under 47 and a half. Only Allen Robinson and David Montgomery in play on the Bears' side as far as I'm concerned. It's not even a comfy matchup for either of those guys. The Rams finished last season fourth in DVOA against the pass, third in DVOA against the run. Robinson figures to see a fair amount of Jalen Ramsey, but Allen Robinson also moves around the formation enough that I don't think we should overrate that individual matchup. Right. Um, Jalen Ramsey didn't shadow Robinson when these teams played last season. Robinson caught four balls for 70 yards in that game. But I mean, the Rams' number two corner, Darius Williams, is – you know. 
PFF wise, he finished just behind Jalen Ramsey and PFF coverage grades last year. So it's just a tough secondary. So, you know, lower A-Rob, more like mid-range wide, or two, wide receiver two status this week. Um, David Montgomery is just a volume play. I'm curious to see what kind of role Damon Williams plays. Like, you know, is he just stepping into Tariq Cohen's role? Is he a pure backup and Montgomery's going to be a, you know, volume monster like he was for most of last season. So that's something worth watching, but um, you know, t- tough spot for Montgomery individually and just for the bears offense in general here. So there's not, not a lot of upside to anyone on this team. Yeah. And we're going to need Montgomery to keep the receiving volume from last year. If he is going to be a, you know, relatively comfy week to week play, otherwise it's going to get a lot iffier for him. On the Rams side, playing all the passing game components, the Bears ranked eighth in overall defensive DVOA last year, but just 13th against the pass. They're not scary at any coverage spot, so you're not worried about the individual matchups for anybody. In the backfield, Daryl Henderson is off the injury report with his hand issue. He should probably be the first Rams running back into lineups, but we really have absolutely no idea what the work split's going to look like because we saw no starters at all in the preseason for the Rams. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, Sony Michelle's only been with the team for a couple of weeks now. So I, I, I kind of, you know, if Henderson has a chance to like lay claim to the backfield, I think it's going to be early in the season. I think he's going to get the first shot. I think he, he should lead Michelle in, in touches pretty easily this week. That's my guess. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Um, so I think Henderson is fine to use this week. And if you only make, you kind of hope he shows well and just, you know, keeps hold of that starting job. If he struggles at all, I think you're going to start to see more and more of Michelle. Any other notes on the pass catchers? I mean, I glanced over them, but the wide receivers are obvious, and I think Tyler Higby is a solid play this week. Yeah, I mean, the the Bears cornerback room looks looks like a joke. Um, I think they're okay at the other positions on defense, but it's it's a great spot for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. You're starting them, and then yeah, Higby um, tougher matchup on paper than you know the wide receivers are going to see. But you know, if, if he's going to be never down player or close to it in this offense, I mean, he, you know, he's going to be a weekly fantasy starter. And even the linebackers are down. Danny Trevathan on the Chicago side. Roquan Smith can cover, can play in coverage, but he also hasn't graded out terrifically in that area. So certainly not a scary matchup for Tyler Higbee on that side. The Monday night game to close things out here, Baltimore at the Las Vegas Raiders. The Ravens are four and a half point road favorites. It's a 50 and a half over under. I'm a little bit surprised on the implied points for the Raiders in this game, which is basically mid pack on the week. Me too. Um, I would I would definitely take the under there. I think this Ravens defense is going to be one of the tougher ones in the league. Um, so yeah, I'm not. You know, it's 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 really Darren Waller on the Raiders side. Like even Josh Jacobs. I mean, if you look at his splits and Raiders losses, he is rough for fantasy football. And I think it's going to continue this year because I think Kenny Drake's going to play quite a bit in passing situations when they're trailing. So you know, unless you expect Vegas to you know pull the upset here, I think you know Jacobs is there. There's a pretty strong chance he duds for you. I do think that there's a chance we get a slower start from the Baltimore defense here because there are some aging pieces up front. They lost Matthew Judon in free agency this past off season. So there's questions, there's talent, but there's also questions to the edge guys up front as well as the young linebackers behind them. So, I mean, maybe that's part of it. Maybe, maybe Vegas doesn't think that we're going to get as tough a Ravens defense as we're used to here. I do think at the very least, it's going to be, a tough secondary, uh, you know, either solid too good and a bad matchup for the Raiders passing game pieces. Darren Waller's always starting. I agree with your hesitation on Josh Jacobs, um, you know, just because we don't think that the Raiders are going to win this game. For the Raiders passing game, otherwise, though, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, I'm going to wait and see what happens with them rather than trying either one. 
Yeah, and, you know, Baltimore is one of the best cornerback rooms in the NFL, I think. So tough, tough spot. But um, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, we know it's going to be drugs and Everett's on the outside, Renfro in the slot. Um, just not a week to use any of those guys. And I saw a report this week. I forget which of the national guys it was, but that the Raiders believe Hunter Renfro can be one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. So, it, you know, it makes you chuckle. I think the takeaway from it is there might be more Hunter Renfro targets than we're hoping there's going to be. So yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying go pick him up, but I guess let's watch and see what happens. Yeah, don't be surprised when he's taking our targets from from Brian Edwards. <laughs> On the Baltimore side, John Harbaugh says it's possible that Le'Veon Bell gets elevated from the practice squad and plays in this game. I still say if somebody paid for Le'Veon Bell in your league this week, smile about that being somebody else and go ahead and start Gus Edwards comfortably. I mean, Bell might be a threat to Tyson Williams. He, he's not a threat to Gus Edwards. Gus, Gus Edwards is going to be the clear lead of ball carry because Gus Edwards is good. And, you know, he, he's exactly what Baltimore wants in their running back, you know, downhill physical guy. Um, so he's just a good fit. It's a good matchup here. High implied total. I think, you know, you still can only project Edwards like one catch at most. So it hurts in PPR, but um, you know, really should be a big game on the ground for the Ravens in general here. I disagree. I can easily project him for two to three catches. <laughs> you're wrong but okay <laughs> um yeah so we'll see about tyson williams uh, gus edwards fairly easy play this week i'm playing gus edwards over david montgomery um you know and every other running back behind that level yeah i mean yeah, it's not it's not crazy um again i just think montgomery's gonna you know catch a few balls which helps in ppr but you know, edwards should definitely have more success on the ground of, because this is the Monday night game, of course, we have not gotten an injury report yet. And I think that we have to wait and see on the wideouts for yeah. this Ravens offense, right? I mean, both Sammy Watkins and Marquise Brown have questions on that front, don't they? Yeah, I think Watkins is okay. It sounds like Brown's going to be able to play, but you know, he, he missed almost all of August with a hamstring injury. Um, we know Rashad Bateman's out. We know Miles Blinken's out. So yeah, it's, it's uh, not great at a receiver for Baltimore. I think, you know, that, Mark Andrews really should be a target monster early this season, you know, especially until uh, Rashad Bateman gets back. So you like him. And then, you know, Lamar Jackson is, is, you know, one of the quarterbacks that can survive that much um, at, at, at pass catcher. So it should be a super run heavy game plan from Baltimore. And I would not be surprised if, you know, Lamar runs for a hundred yards. Yeah. He's had a little bit of Marquise Brown and not a whole lot else at wide out so far. So <laughs> why start worrying about him now in fantasy? Yep, exactly. Before we head out, I'll take one question because Jose Torres on YouTube wants to know Chase Claypool, Kareem Hunt, or Marvin Jones Jr. this week. Who are you playing? Uh, Claypool pretty easily for me. Yes, it would be Claypool for me as well with Jones next ahead of yep. Kareem Hunt because I think yep. the upside is much higher on those guys. Agreed. All right. That's going to do it for this week one preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to see our full week one rankings to help you finalize those lineup decisions. We are in regular season mode now, so you can find the My Teams page, which customizes our weekly projections to fit your league settings. We've got the Who Should I Start tool, the Free Agent Finder, the Trade Partner Navigator, plus lots more to help you set all those winning lineups each week going forward. We will be back here Friday night for the debut of our weekly DFS shows at a new time this season, Mitch Carl of Riser Fall will be joining me and Jared for those shows every week. Do not miss out. You can also find us anytime in the free Draft Sharks Discord. Check the podcast description for that link. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaff saying thanks so much for someone with us.